0: Welcome to People's Church. Before we get to this week's message with Pastor Tom Murray, we want you to know that you matter to your Heavenly Father and you matter to us. People's Church is a multi-generational faith community in Salem committed to knowing Christ and making Him known. Sunday morning worship services at our Salem campus are at 8.30, 10, and 11.30. Watch messages anytime and plan your visit at peopleschurch.com. We pray this practical, biblical teaching is encouraging, challenging, and possibly even life-changing.
1: Our hope for eternity is in Jesus Christ. Our hope for eternity is in Jesus Christ. And also, we are designed for community. And something we've said over the last few weeks is we grow spiritually When our personal faith journey is connected to the local church. I was uh, just speaking with someone between services who was talking about being disconnected from the church family for too long. She was saying, I know that I have had a relationship with Jesus Christ. I gave my life to Jesus a long time ago. But she said, I know Something has been missing because I have been disconnected from a local church. And many of us, it would be our story that there was a time in our life history when we didn't think we needed God and we didn't think that we need needed the local church. In fact, maybe it would be your story that you didn't know why people went to church on sunday mornings you didn't know why they would skip out on playing golf on sunday morning on days like today when the green bay packers are playing at six thirty in the morning in london you don't know why someone would not watch the game so they could come to be at church i will share i watched about the first quarter from home this morning because there aren't that many football games that start that early in the day But what many of us would say we have experienced, what we've experienced as we have become part of a faith community, is that we reach a point where we cannot live without our local church. Many of us would say the church that we thought we did not need became the community that we cannot live without. And so this is where we rejoin our Rooted series. We reach the finish line of our Rooted series today. To be rooted begins with a relationship with Jesus Christ. And our heartbeat verse of this message series is Colossians 2.7. Let your roots grow down into him. That's Jesus. Let your roots grow down into Jesus and let your lives be built on him on Jesus. then then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow <clears throat> you will overflow with thankfulness. So rooted is about a faith that is in Christ and Christ alone, lived out when we are part of a community that encourages, part of a community that challenges, part of a community that supports, And part of a community that at times, yes, even confronts each other with a motive of love. So Rooted has been a message series that we are going through as a church family. When we are done, after this week, Rooted will become a small group series that we are going to to offer every month for those who are new or newer to the church And rooted becomes the path for those who are new and want to plug in to the life of the local church. At the end of rooted, if it's your heart to serve in the church, we ask that you go through rooted first. If you want to become a member of people's church, at the end of rooted, you have a path to membership. Session one, uh, step one, believe. This is all about faith in Jesus Christ. That's where it all begins session two that we did last week step two belong is about connecting to life at the local church and happening on campus today it's been a very busy day a very full day here at the church we have step three and step four being offered simultaneously let me just ask a question by raising up a hand how many of you went to step three before you came in here today wow thank you so much for going If you missed out on step three, or uh, actually, uh, again, I had a conversation between our services. Someone said, I I came for the first time today, and I want to do sessions one and two. Uh, Beginning on October 30th, Rooted will start as a small group series, and so you can jump in and you can make up steps one, two, whatever you need to make up so that you can complete Rooted. Uh, Today, here in the sanctuary, we're covering step four, which is build, which is all about living out your purpose. And if you were to open up your rooted books today to page 73, in the bottom corner there, you'll see two verses from John 15. And as we talk about build, as we talk about serving in the local church, I want to camp out. In these two verses in John 15 and the verses that surround it and talk about how this portion of John 15 these words of Jesus Christ point to our life as followers of Jesus in community with other followers of Jesus if you've been along for the ride every week every step we have had fill in the blanks there are more fill in the blanks today They are on page 75, and I just want to let you know the the fill-in-the-blanks today are going to be at the very end. So, don't worry. Don't despair. I've not forgotten them. They're going to come at the very end today. When we think about the four words that are at the heart of rooted, believe, belong, become, and build, I challenged myself this week to see if I could come up with one sentence that includes all four of those words that captures the heart of rooted. And so here we go. People who believe in Jesus and belong to a community of believers striving to become more like Jesus are used by God to build the church. Like 7 of you clapped. That was I worked hard on that sentence. For you. That's, now it's just curtain now. <laughs> now it's just sympathy clapping. <laughs> Believe, belong, and become. When these things come together, we are used by God to build the church. And maybe you're here today and you'd say, I have another church that is my church home, I'm visiting today. What we're talking about applies to whatever church is your home church. Yes, we love it when this is your home church, but more than that, we want you to have a home church where you can believe, belong, become, and help to build the work of the local church. So happening over in the conference center simultaneously, some people went ahead and did session four step four at 10 o'clock now they're going back and doing step three in the conference center uh, step three if you've already been through that what you saw today is that step three is all about discovering your purpose romans twelve six. this is so good in his grace god has given us different gifts for doing certain things well As we look across this room God has given different gifts actually thank God that he doesn't give us all the same gift if he gave us all the same gift it would be like going to see a symphony orchestra and every instrument is the flute maybe you love the flute even if you love the flute you would not want to go to a concert where there's 60 people all playing the same music on the flute. What makes the symphony compelling, what makes that music powerful, is the collection of all the instruments playing their individual parts brought together by a composer to create a unified sound. God has given the church... A community of different gifts that he brings together for his purposes. And Romans 12 lists out some of these gifts. The gifts like prophecy, which is to speak truth from God's word. Gifts of serving, serving others, serving them well. Gifts like teaching, encouragement. If God has wired you to be an encourager, that is a spiritual gift where you can identify when someone needs life-giving words, and God wants to use you to speak life into others. Do you know that giving and generosity is a spiritual gift? There are some in this world, God has given you resources that are far above and beyond what most of us will ever know. And maybe you've never heard it explained this way. God has actually given you a spiritual gift to use the resources that he has entrusted to you to make a kingdom difference god's word says that is a spiritual gift and and in fact it says if your gift is giving then give generously other spiritual gifts listed there in romans leadership kindness kindness is a spiritual gift And so our ministry fair that has been happening out in our lobby today, it's been all about connecting the God-given gifts that you have, your abilities, your passions, your desires, and matching those with a role in the local church. And so here we are gathered in this room now talking about step four, build, which is living out your purpose using different gifts God has given us to make a difference. And this is love when we put the needs of other people above our own needs. And so I said we want to just hang out in John 15 for a few minutes today and some quick context to help us understand where the words of Jesus that are recorded in John 15, when these words were spoken in history. The words of John 15... Are words that were recorded by Jesus during the Last Supper. And then these words appear in John's account of the Gospel. John is John the Apostle John, John the disciple, and John was there when Jesus spoke these words and years later he would write them down so that we can now be spoken to by the words that John heard Jesus speak. So, Last Supper, Jesus, just hours later, would suffer and die a criminal's death penalty on the cross, even though he did not commit a crime. He's gathered with his closest followers. Jesus is with people who have left their homes, left their careers, left family connections, so that they could follow him. Already, before Jesus has speaks these words in the time that's led up to this jesus has washed his disciples dirty road worn feet in his final gathering before his crucifixion jesus spends extended time teaching his disciples about heaven teaching them about the power of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them about how they can expect difficulty. They can expect persecution. They can expect to be challenged by culture as a result of following Jesus. What is about to happen at this moment in history is a great transfer of leadership. Because after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the leadership of the church will be handed over on earth to the disciples empowered by the holy spirit and we are still part of that that movement today jesus is history's greatest communicator and in this time of teaching he knows the sticking power of an illustration and so jesus helps us understand life as a follower using a vineyard as an illustration. And as we drive the roads of Oregon in this part of the state, this part of the country, we drive past some incredible landscapes where we see vineyards here in Oregon. And as Jesus opens this portion of what he speaks in the Last Supper, he says, I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. Jesus says, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. Now, in this Last Supper teaching, Jesus has already said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus makes relationship with God the Father possible. And as Jesus is teaching them then and us now, he said, Think about it this way I am the vine. I am the vine. Now, Jesus is the vine, but you are not the grapes. We are not the grapes. Look at the person next to you and say, you are not a grape. Maybe you've never been told this before. (laughs) I do not identify as a grape. (laughs) Sorry. I could not, couldn't help myself. <laughs> okay. Jesus is the vine. We are not the grape. What links the vine to the grape is the branch. We are the branch. The grape in this illustration is the spiritual fruit. The grape is the difference that we make as followers of Christ. The grape is the purposes that are lived out for God to accomplish his purposes on this planet. The grape is the light that draws the darkness to relationship with the Father. The fruit, that's the fruit, the fruit is accomplished by the vine moving through the branch. We are the branch. And so right away, as Jesus is opening this part of the conversation, he talks about removing branches that aren't producing. And also, he talks about the pruning of branches that are connected to the vine so they can produce even more. Pruning. Now, I am not a gardener. Uh, I, in fact, one time I thought in our first home, I thought that I was actually helping out by removing all the weeds from around our house. And Jennifer came home and she said, where, where are all of our strawberry plants? <laughs> so it's just best that I don't go in there. I'm not a gardener, but I did read this truth from Better Homes and Gardens this week. Whoever wrote this for Better Homes and Gardens did not realize that they were writing spiritual truth. But listen to this. The secret to producing the most plentiful harvests. Stop there. If you know the word, you know that God uses in the Bible the analogy of the harvest to refer to lost people coming into relationship, coming into the kingdom. The harvest is an illustration that God uses in his word, Better Homes and Gardens. The secret to producing the most plentiful harvests is pruning. More from Better Homes and Gardens. Skipping out on this step inhibits growth. Skipping out on pruning inhibits growth. Pruning in the spiritual sense is saying, God... I invite you to investigate me. Expose in my life any thought, any attitude, any activity, anything that I'm watching, anything that I'm taking in, anything that's coming out of my mouth that's not from you. And it's an invitation. Expose it, Father, and prune it away. Remove it. We like the prayer, Father, here I am so you can use me. And also we need to pray, Father, here I am so you can prune me. Prune me. Remove from me anything that is inhibiting me from becoming all that you have for me. It's a powerful invitation. Because when we don't allow pruning in our individual life, we miss out on the growth that God wants to do through us. And also, this is perhaps even levels up the magnitude, when we don't allow God to prune us individually, it actually can hold the church back from what God wants to do through the church. So my encouragement is that we would allow God to prune us spiritually Not just for our sake, but for the work of the local church. God remove anything in my life that's not from you and for you. John 15 3, Jesus says, you've already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remember the first audience is the circle of Christ followers that we know as the apostles or the disciples. They walked and talked with Jesus for three years. Many of us have been followers of Christ for more than three years some in this room more than three decades. There's already been a work in you. If you have received Jesus Christ as your Savior, there's already been a pruning and a purification. You've experienced life change through relationship with Jesus. But don't miss this. Don't miss this. Even to the disciples, even to the very closest followers of Jesus who walked and talked with Jesus for three years, Jesus says, verse 4, remain in me. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. Or your translation, abide in me. For for a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And, just in case you didn't get this, you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. So even to the people who walked and talked with Jesus for three years, he says, don't miss this. Your past fruit is not a promise of future fruit. If you want future fruit, you want to continue to be a difference maker, you have to stay close. You have to remain in me, abide in me, remain close to me. That's the way you produce fruit. Maybe in a moment of honesty, you'd say, you know what? It appears that uh, my life is still fruitful. I'm still making a difference. But in honesty, I haven't read my Bible in several days or several weeks or who knows how long. It's been a long time since I've prayed. It's been a long time since I've really allowed the Holy Spirit to guide my life. And yet it seems like there's still fruit. It seems like I'm still able to make a difference for the kingdom. Think of this. If you go to wherever you go to buy produce to Safeway, to Fred Meyer, to Winco, to Walmart, to the stand alongside the road, to Roths, wherever you go to buy fruit. If you are dispatched by your spouse to pick up the groceries and buy fruit, and on your grocery list is grapes, if you're anything like me, when you buy grapes, you do not bring home the potted plant. Did you get the grapes? what do we do when we bring home grapes or when we have them delivered to our house? Praise God for home delivery groceries. When you have grapes brought into your home as groceries, they come in a little bag, right? And they have been what from the vine? They have been cut off from the vine. Now you hold up that little branch with the little grapes that are coming off of it and the ones that gather in the bottom of the bag, you hold up that little uh branch with the grapes coming off of it look there's fruit here this branch has been severed from the vine and yet look there's still fruit what do we know though about that little branch and the fruit that is on that branch it's going to be fruitful but only for a few days and then it becomes a stinking rotting mess that you have to put in your yard waste bin there's fruit once the once the branch is severed from the vine Yes, there may be fruit for a short season, but that season is going to run out. If you're not connected to the vine, eventually there's going to be no more fruit and that season is going to be relatively short. And you know what? Once you cut off that branch, that little vine is not growing any more grapes. There's no new fruit that is created. If, I think this is your desire. If it's your desire, like it's my desire, I want to continue to be a difference maker for God as long as I have breath in my lungs. I want to remain connected to the vine. I want to remain connected to the vine so that I'm not depending on past faithfulness for current fruit. Jesus, words of Jesus, for a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And let me just tell you, Jesus was not providing agricultural advice. You know, if you cut that off of there, it's not going to make any more fruit. No, no, he's using what even those of us who aren't gardeners or farmers, even those of us who are not farmers understand that if you cut off the branch, that it's not going to continue to produce fruit. And let me speak just to those of us who've been around for a minute. The more that we understand this, the more we realize that ultimately God's purposes are not accomplished by us. God's purposes are accomplished by God working through us. And when we understand that, we understand why it's so critical that we stay connected to the vine. This is how Jesus puts it in verse 5. Yes, I am the vine You are the branches, those who remain in me, and I in them will produce much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. So here's where this connects to rooted and what we're talking about today and how God wants to use us to accomplish his purposes through us building the church. Look at verse 8. When you produce much fruit... You are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. When you produce much fruit, Jesus says, you are my disciples. And in this moment, we realize once again that Jesus is not speaking to one person. God the Father did not send Jesus Christ here to build hundreds of thousands and millions of little kingdoms. God's purpose is one kingdom, one kingdom, one vine, Jesus Christ, many branches. One vine, many branches. God the gardener accomplishes his purposes on this planet through one vine, Jesus Christ simultaneously feeding many branches. Maybe you're here and you're going through a discouragement and you, you've thought, is what I'm doing, is it making a difference? Is my prayer, is it making a difference? Is my serving as a greeter at the church, waving as people walk in, is it making a difference? Changing diapers for the glory of God in the nursery, is it making a difference? Is my offering, which perhaps feels insignificant in the world's economy, is it making a difference? Sometimes we have to zoom out from our branch. And we have to remember that God sees the vineyard. God sees the vineyard. Many, 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 many branches connected to the same vine. And Jesus said, actually, I will take responsibility for building the church. You make disciples, I'll build the church. You live out the responsibility that you have been called to and trust that as you're faithful to that, Jesus says, I will build the church. So it may feel insignificant in the world's economy, in culture's economy. We trust that we worship God, the Father, who's identified as the gardener in this illustration who sees the whole vineyard. And we trust that as we are faithful with the assignment that God has given each of us, that he is the one that will bring together all of those works together to build the church. What is the end result? What is the end result? Look at verse 11. This is so good. I have told you these things, Jesus says. So that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Ask the people in your life. Ask your neighbor. Ask your coworkers. Ask your family members. Do you want joy? Do you want overflowing joy? I think we could say it is a universal desire of humanity. Yes, I would love to have joy, and not just joy, but so. An overflowing joy. Well, it's no secret. God says exactly how we can experience overflowing joy. And it's by allowing our life to be like a branch connected to the vine where God accomplishes his purposes through us. Joy is freedom. Joy is a confidence in the promise of eternity with our heavenly father that no one can take away. Joy is realizing the peace that comes from living life God's way. Joy is a closeness with the presence of God. Stay close to Christ and allow him to accomplish his purposes through you. Overflowing joy is God's intended outcome for an individual life rooted in Christ, connected to a missional community. Now, I want you to know I'm still aware that we have not done today's fill-in-the-blanks. I haven't forgotten. Before we get there, I want you to jump ahead to page 77, which talks about the dream team commitment, This talks about what we are asking of those who serve in the church. We're asking that those who serve in the church, we're asking for you to pray, to hold up the core values of the church, to make it a habit to be here, to be faithful in giving and generosity and strive to live like Christ. When we think about the 70-year history of people's church, this church when it comes to the human role, is built on those who have lived out these values over time, who have lived out commitment to the local church. Page 78 is labeled Leadership Honor Code, and we read about this in 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 9. And 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 9 is all about what takes place if someone aspires to be a church leader well everyone who serves in any dream team role you're a servant leader you have leadership over the responsibility that God has given you and the this portion of scripture says that to desire to lead an area is an honor in God's view every role in the local church is an honor is an honor there's no junk roles in the church and if you read through First Timothy 3, 1 through 9, you see that it is written with male words like he and him. And I would just encourage you, don't allow that to distract you because we know that women served in leadership in the early church, the first century church. And the assemblies of God today, taking the biblical example, ordains women as pastors and leaders today. So no matter who we are, we can put our role into First Timothy 3.1. If someone aspires to be a greeter, if someone aspires to serve in PC Kids, PC Youth, PC College, if someone aspires to serve on worship team, tech team, security, host team, this is a position of honor. It's a position of honor. And so because of that, As you read through First Timothy 3, strive to live above reproach, which means to strive for a good reputation, doing the right thing in every situation. Strive for self-control, which means to not be pulled into the temptation of sin. Strive to be respectable, to be hospitable, which means to use what you have to serve other people. Strive to teach by example, to bring peace to every relationship, not division. Strive to bring the right motives, to lead your family well, and strive to desire to become more like Jesus. Page 79 is important because it addresses how we respond to abuse or suspected abuse. Sadly, many of us would say it is even heartbreaking when we read news reports From across the country about abuse that happens within a church it's possible that you're here today and you'd say that you have deep wounds that were caused by a person in a church role or in a church setting well we pray that that does not happen here or in any church ever again we also live aware we don't dismiss red flags we don't ignore warning signs We do not cover up. We do not excuse. We follow federal and state abuse reporting laws. We're also aware that apart from the church, people come through our doors who have experienced a deep brokenness. Maybe there are fresh wounds in your life that have been caused by physical abuse, by sexual abuse, by emotional abuse, by neglect. We want you to know that there are many who are part of this church family and it is their life story that they came through the doors seeking hope after their darkest moment. And it's not because of what they did, but it's because of what someone did to you. We want you to know that there is hope and restoration available through Jesus Christ. There is hope and restoration available through Jesus Christ. That's what Jesus does. Jesus is our hope. He is our restoration. And as a church family, we want to be ready to speak up for children and the vulnerable who may not be able or who may not be ready to speak for themselves. Okay, that was kind of a heavy moment. Let's go back to page 75 and let's fill in those blanks. We said that our ministry fair, it's our desire to help you today to find a role if you don't have one that aligns with the gifts that God has given you. You know, when it comes to serving in the church, there are some of us who'd say when we want to use the skills that God has given us in our profession and we want to deploy them in the local church. And there are others of us who would say that we do our job all five or six day, other days of the week, and we don't want to do anything that's close to our job when we come to church. Like some someone might say, well, I work in law enforcement, and I would love to use that in the church to serve on the security team. And there would be others who'd say, I serve in law enforcement, and when I get to church, that's the last thing that I want to do. Let me work in the nursery. Praise God. So either way works, we, we do know that God has given each of us gifts to use in the local church. And so no matter where you serve, uh, we would encourage you to connect with new people. Connect with new people. People matter to God. And so if they matter to God, they should matter to us. Now, like many of you, I love seeing my friends at church and also i know that we build the kingdom when we intentionally meet new people when we hear stories of why people come back for a second sunday after they've come a first sunday it almost always is connected to a feeling that they are were welcomed by someone in the church i've been around this church i've been around other churches i've been around pastors of other churches You know, I have yet to hear a success story of a visitor returning that would go something like this. I've not heard this story. You know what I really liked about visiting that church? I walked in, and it was obvious that everyone who was there already had many friends. My heart was warmed as they all talked to each other and ignored me. I've never heard that testimony Yes, we have dream teamers whose role is to serve as greeters. But do you know that all of us, if this is our church home, I believe that we are all called to informally serve on the welcome team. Now, I don't know how you get to church. If you drive here, if you walk here, you take an Uber, you take a Lyft, you ride the bus, you ride your bike, however you get here. I'm wondering, what would happen if all of us who would say, this is my church home, What would happen if all of us would say, this is my church home? What would happen if all of us would think, even pray? As I'm on my way into church today, yes, I'm looking forward to seeing my friends. But also, I am going to intentionally make sure that this Sunday and every Sunday, I'm going to greet somebody who I've never met before. I'm going to say hello to someone who I've never met. And... There are some of us the introverts among us who may panic when you hear that said out loud but do you know that if you would say it's uncomfortable for me to go and say hello to somebody new if you're here and this is already your church home in most situations it is 10 times more uncomfortable for the person who is new to be the initiator of that first conversation A little bit of effort can go such a long way in saying hello to someone who we've never met before and and last thing on let me just encourage you do not make the rookie mistake that I think a lot of us have made it's embarrassing when I make this mistake and I know this mistake and I still occasionally like I I say this I'm like no come back in (laughs) the question that we don't want to ask it's a rookie mistake is, is, is to say, is this your first Sunday here? Because as the pastor, it can be extremely embarrassing if I ask someone, is this your first Sunday here? And they say, actually, I've been here every Sunday for 30 years. And I'm actually one of the deacons. So this is like a little insider tip. Say, how long have you been coming to people's church? And then they might say, well, this is my first Sunday. Oh, I'm so glad you're here. Do you have any questions? Yes, where are the bathrooms? Well, the new ones are over there. Build relationships with my team. Build relationships with my team. Many of the strongest relationships in the church community come out of serving together. Maybe you'd be here and and you'd say, I'm really missing deep, Friendships, deep relationships in my life. For so many, a way to fast track building relationships is by serving as you develop friendships and relationships with those you serve alongside. Empower others. Empower others. Every one of us here, there's something that you do, and you do that better than someone else. And if you're in a role where you are leading, in, in a ministry. If we hold on to the tasks, then that leadership ends with us. We grow the church as we release, as we release. And there are times when we're working alongside somebody and we, we are convinced that we know the best way how to do whatever it is that we do. And there's no, it's not possible that there's anyone else who could do it as well as we can. And so there's tough moments where it's like, okay, I want you to do this. And the other person may feel, well, there's no way that I could possibly do this as well as you. Well, we are empowering when we say, that may be true, but I want you to try this week. I want you to try. I want you to lead the kids in Jesus loves me this week. I want you to try. Do you know it's possible that... They may not do that as well as you the first time, but it's possible that they may eventually do whatever that is better than you can do it. And that's okay. That's a good thing. For some of us, the greatest purpose in this life will be to raise up someone else to do something better than we can do it. It's not a threat. It's worth celebrating. Celebrate the wins. We want to celebrate the good things that happen in the church community, in the church family. And it does not have to be a big production. We can celebrate the wins in little moments, short moments, short moments that are actually not little, but quite big. If there's a greeter who makes a difference in your life, because they smile when you walk in. Do you know how thankful they may be? If you say, um, wow, every, every time I come here, I actually hope that you're the greeter today because your smile makes my day better. Keep up, keep doing what you're doing. I don't know what time you have to get here to be able to serve in this area, but it's worth it. Keep it up, you're doing a great job. For those of us who have kids or grandkids, in the nursery, early childhood, or PC kids, there's a likelihood that you're seeing the same faces as you drop your kids off or grandkids each week. As you see those familiar faces, if you haven't done so ever or in a while, it could be exactly what that dream teamer needs to hear this week. Thank you for serving in this kid's room today. Thank you for serving in this kid's room today. I want to thank you because of what you do. My kids are getting spiritually fed, and because of what you do, I'm grateful because I get to go into the sanctuary to hear God's Word being taught today. If you see someone doing something that is positive, take a short moment and speak words of encouragement. And when it comes to celebrating wins, the greatest win that happens here any given Sunday, anywhere, is when a life is changed by Jesus Christ. In fact, the Bible says, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. As I was watching the Green Bay Packers this morning, that stadium in London was like Lambeau Field, filled with people wearing foam cheese pieces on their head. And when there's a touchdown, the stadium erupts in a roar, and there's cheers. But when I read the Word, the Bible doesn't tell me anything about cheering in the halls of heaven when there's a touchdown. But God's Word does tell me that there are cheers in the halls of heaven. When just one sinner repents.
0: We pray that this week's message has been practical, encouraging, and challenging. Let us know if you made a first-time commitment or recommitment to following Christ. Visit peopleschurch.com and click Connect to share your decision with us. There is great value in being a part of a Christ-centered, Bible-teaching faith community. If you are looking for a church home, Pastor Tom Murray invites you to People's Church in Salem. Sunday morning and evening worship services, group Bible studies, relevant engaging activities for kids and youth in safe, secure environments. Watch messages anytime or plan your visit at peopleschurch.com.